from Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm your host, Shakita Griffin. In each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Garrett Orr, class of 2010, human service analyst with the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Garrett became interested in his occupation. I came in after leaving coaching as an aide, so basically a floor staff. I'm helping the kids get through the day. Became an aide supervisor where now I'm making sure that people are doing everything they're supposed to, holding kids accountable to another level before promoting to being a counselor. I was a counselor for three years, and unfortunately, the reality of that work is that it's incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was burnt out, and I had to find a way to get out of a work type of situation where when you did find that teeny little nugget of success, it felt like the most amazing thing ever. Mm -hmm. But when 95% of what you were doing just felt like banging my head against the wall. So my wife and I both stepped away from that employment basically at the same time, because honestly, it was taxing us. It was taxing our personal relationship. It was taxing our relationship with our families and the other things that we wanted from life, we weren't able to get because we just stressed out from working a a swing shift type of work in in a 24-7 type of facility. Right. And it's such Um, heavy work. It really is. Yeah. It really is. So I took a step back before finding an opportunity to work back with the Bureau, not in direct care. So that's where I am now. So that's a year's type of journey. But where I am now is essentially adding support for all of these people who I know, like, the last thing you want when you're in that kind of situation is to have the little things like all your reports and stuff like that, not be able to go right. So Mm -hmm. I provide a lot of honestly troubleshooting type of things for them. We have a system where we're entering all of our incident reports, where we're, we're putting in all of our court reports, where we're tracking basically everything. Realistically, it's a case management system. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of the behind the scenes kind of stuff there to make sure that's working smoothly. And then we're also looking ahead to try to make improvements with that to our vendors so that we can make the whole process a whole lot more efficient. I know I kind of, I think at the end, I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but that's where we are now. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, really, that just goes to showcase that it is a journey to do the work that you're doing now. It was pivotal to have the experience of the direct service so that you know the types of resources that are needed and the types of systems that you're working with. So it really sounds like you were able to have stepping stones throughout your career journey? When I started, I promoted within a month. And then basically the only reason I didn't promote even faster from a a supervisor to a counselor is like the state does have some very strict guidelines for you can only promote if you have this exact experience and they don't make exceptions. But that's basically how they make sure that there isn't any nepotism or things like that going on or as best as they can. I saw myself moving and moving and promoting. I was like, man, I even though this isn't what I felt like I was necessarily called to do, or I never had any interest in this, I was getting that personal satisfaction out of it. And 
for that reason, stuck around as long as I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, when you stepped away, how intentional would you say it was the decision to still do work that is in this human services realm, if that's a fair way to describe it? When I left North Central, as we call it, I went to work at the uh, Schuylkill County Assistance Office, stayed in the Department of Human Services, and worked nine to five desk job because honestly okay. that's just what I needed in my life at that time to get myself straight get my uh, my relationships back to where they need to be um, and just pick up where things felt like they were falling apart mm-hmm. so as a what was called an income maintenance caseworker basically I'm dealing directly with people the public more so than before figuring out and interviewing their family situation. Uh, So a whole lot of that was figuring out things like what's commonly called food stamps, which is actually SNAP and Medicare as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes also what we call cash assistance, which is like we're actually putting money into the hands of the most needy family. So you're actually able to see like, okay, I can be this individual, let's say, trying to work lost the job, especially during COVID. That was incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. And there was so much more, not that I knew otherwise, but there's just so much more on those sorts of programs. Because that's that's what they are. They are government assistance programs run by the state, but the money is coming from the federal government. So we have, again, there's just this Byzantine amount of rules and regulations on how things have to go. And just managing to figure out all those sorts of things and wade your way through it and figure out how can I actually help these people get through the process. Because at the end of the day, that's your goal, right? How can I actually help these people? Exactly. And it's actually pretty sad how many people apply and they just get so bogged down in all Mm. of the paperwork and uh, getting back in, checking in and making sure... um, because basically they have to prove their need mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Um, and that's usually between every six to 12 months that they have to do that. So you can just really see and hear though, a lot more firsthand, those people who they just really appreciate what you're able to do for them. Yeah. I mean, I think human services always is always difficult because you do get a few bad actors and they can so easily turn someone with the best intentions into someone who's jaded just because whatever the way they present themselves, whatever information that they have, or just not being cooperative. Mm. Like it's not my fault if things aren't working properly or if you don't, if an individual or a family doesn't meet the guidelines, but sometimes you still are dealing with that person on their worst day and you hear about it. Still, I think if you value relationships, you have to come to an understanding like, yes, I am meeting these people when they're at their worst or when they're at their most need. How can I do my best to understand when they're going through this situation, even though it might, it could be so easy to be like, okay, just hang up on them. Because we were allowed to do that if they're just being that difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, at the same time, like we're still people. And and it's like, okay, how can I put aside maybe the the answer that I want to give and try to be as pleasant and professional as possible in those sorts of situations. So definitely still that balance of 
trying to take care of yourself and your mental health because you're not just going to let people abuse you, but trying to understand where people are coming from and the frustrations that they are bringing that weren't necessarily caused by you. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like compassion and empathy are major skill sets in the work that you do. What else would you say are the skills that make you successful in your job? I think one of the things that really helps the most a willingness to learn new things. And I think, honestly, that's one of the things that growing up, my parents instilled in me. My dad was a teacher. My mom worked in the school that I went to in elementary school. And then I also think Muhlenberg does a great job with is trying to encourage people to be lifelong learners so that it's not like, okay, well, I know this and I'm just going to hunker down and this is just my square and I'm never going to learn anything else. Obviously, the whole idea behind a liberal arts education is like we branch out. We see how if we have more understanding than just this one little teeny part, we can actually become a, a more understanding, a more balanced person. As the human services analyst where I am now, I just started the job just a little over a year ago. So I get new things put on my plate and things that I've never necessarily learned how to do before. Part of what I do is I I do a little bit of IT troubleshooting. I by no means know anything about IT. Don't get me wrong. But the things that people come to me with, like basically I've learned to work them through the process. I just got a a brand new, pretty big project put on my plate uh, within these facilities, like to have, what's the word, accountability, I think is the best word for it. And to satisfy outside stakeholders, we have cameras all over the place. So making sure that those stay up to date and make sure they're working properly and all those sorts of things, that's not all in-house. So we have to, as the Commonwealth, contract out to different people who are taking care of those things and things just aren't quite where they are. So basically now that's on my plate is, Hey, get everything together, make sure everyone's on the right page and be that nag. If you have to be to contact the vendor multiple times a day, if we're having this issue, the follow-up, making sure just learning all like even some of the technical side of things with helping reset these issues if that's what's needed at the facility so there's a little bit of legwork there's a whole lot of again dealing with people trying to be an intermediary uh, because a lot of what i do is what they call uh, business processes management it's a lot of behind the scenes support kind of stuff in reality is if i'm doing my job and the things are going well people don't know yeah <laughs> right right because you're just so, the behind the scenes making everything run smoothly and you know i always laugh at i I think so many job descriptions have that little line other duties as assigned right and that's the one that can can end up taking over when you have some of these different projects and and new things that you need to learn right i I mean honestly they should put that one first yeah (laughs) i know that you mentioned you're in a little bit of a different role, but still within the Department of Human Services. But I wanted to ask about how the pandemic affected the work and even if you can speak to how it's affected the way the Department of Human Services is able to work with the community. I've held three different jobs during the pandemic. When I was still working, I was actually still at North Central on the floor working as a counselor there that caused a whole bunch of issues because 
a big part of what we call balanced and restorative justice is making sure we have outside stakeholders who can come into the facilities and keep our kids involved with families and other outside stakeholders. So when COVID first hit, everything shut down. Even school shut down. Now all of a sudden we're going from having a very important strict routine throughout a day, everything's turned on its head. Mm-hmm. We have to find new ways to keep keep these kids involved. So a lot of in-person type of stuff became sitting behind computers, which once again, dealing with the residents that we were, have all sorts of different issues as well. Because everything, like not only are these kids behind multiple fences and razor wire, but also like they can't have direct internet access because unfortunately, I'm not saying every single one, but so often there's one person who would act in a way that trying to think of the best way to put it. Right. That um, they would t- give into some temptations of what they could access on the internet. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and honestly, like they even find ways they've, they've even found ways to do that with, with all of those blocks that we have and all of those impediments to be able to do those things. So we basically became oftentimes the teachers. Like we had, I'm trying to think of the name of the program. I think one of them was Lexus Nexus. Okay. Had like a whole lot of opportunities for kids to actually figure out, okay, what things am I interested in? And we allowed them to kind of put together like a curriculum of we're going to go look at these three or four courses per day, work our way through, and then this is what we're going to do next. But monitoring those sorts of things, keeping involved, a lot of the things, you know, and I, obviously there are people who are math majors and mm-hmm. work in accounting and stuff like that. But for the rest of us in human services, we usually don't deal with that stuff. I have to go back and get my math brain working yeah. all over again, <laughs> trying to get back into some of the stuff for the more advanced kids. So that was, that was huge. Then also like, I mean, we're dealing with a population of residents who they already have so many rules. They're kind of where they are because they don't like following rules. And something as simple as you have to wear a mask at all times unless you're in your room, right. which we don't want kids in their rooms because we want them active. We want them doing things. And just little things like that make, make a big deal. Then when I left North Central and went to the Schuylkill County Assistance Office, nothing was in person at all. Everything was shut down. So a lot of what we were doing was over the phone. There was a huge expansion in submitting paperwork, electronic paperwork, um, that wasn't there before. So that was a big increase. Just the the size of those programs also became more robust. Mm-hmm. Um, and managing to find your way through those was also um, something new and different because you would get sometimes every week a new uh, memo saying, okay, well, we ran into this issue, so this is how we're going to deal with it. And then you ran into this next one because you just fixed that one, and this is how we're going to deal with it. There's so many Um, things on the fly. Right. There was a lot of things were on the fly, and a lot of these things, especially because of the large government spending that was happening to help people in need, 
like there were new regulations and there were new amounts of money. And so now someone who might not have fit in before now does. And just trying to figure out how to get back in contact with people to let them know, like, hey, we can we can help you and we can try to get you to where you want to be in this time of need. So with that, I was still going into an office because I was new. A lot of government work has to deal with seniority. So like if you're the new guy, you're on the low end of the totem. Mm -hmm. So you get the stuff that no one else wants to do. So that's just the reality of what it was. So I still had to be one of like 10% of the entire workplace that I had to go into work, which I think was a good thing, honestly, because when there's that much to learn, there's so many distractions at home um, that it's sometimes better to, hey, let me get my blinders on. I'm here for these eight hours and this is what I'm going to focus on. Definitely. Um, Now, since I moved from there back to the Bureau of Juvenile Justice Services, um, I started working in Harrisburg, uh, which is cool. Honestly, it's, it's neat to go to the, the Capitol mm-hmm. and see all that stuff around you. But we're still in the middle of COVID, so it's a ghost town. Um, and basically, I'd probably say it was maybe uh, a month or so that I was working in the office. And honestly, it was like my supervisor and myself. That's it. From there, then we turned into telework. So then okay. it became, okay, now I get to work from home. And I've been working from home since for probably about a year. So since about December of last year. Okay. Um, so how's that transition gone? I mean, it's, it's, it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's interesting. Like I, when I was coaching football for all those years, I was either living off campus or like so close off campus that I walked everywhere. When I was working at North Central, I was about 15 minutes away. Okay. So when I came here, I'm living in Reading, Pennsylvania now, and I was commuting all the way to Harrisburg. Mm. I was like, do I really have to drive an hour plus every single day? Yeah. So that's huge savings, huge savings. You know, I get to, I don't have to pack a lunch every single day. I can figure out what I want from the fridge. You right. Know? Um, so in that way, uh, you can also use your brakes to get the little stuff done around the house or or it's a whole lot easier to, you know, balance your checkbook, so to speak, on your break than when you're at home than otherwise. So in some ways, it's actually freed up a whole lot of stuff for me. And it's been able to allow me to have a much better balance, that work-life balance. Yeah, which is so um, critical. It really is. It really, it really is. So, yeah, I mean, in that way, COVID in some ways has kind of pushed me forward into being into a better place with that balance and trying to be just a better version of myself as mm-hmm. much as possible. No, oh, that's fantastic that you are able to have that telework and have found that you're still able to maintain the connection to work, obviously get your projects and get things done, but having that better balance with life and and errands and all of the little things that creep up throughout the day. So again, thinking about your current role as a human service analyst, what would you say are the most challenging and on the other side, the most rewarding aspects of your job? One of the most challenging things is like, realistically, when you're working, I'm not sure if this is everywhere, but it seems like the kind of, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, the kind of people who work in juvenile justice are people who are more hands-on in their approach to work. 
So what I mean by that is like, they hate that every single time they have to sit down and I shouldn't say everyone, but there's a significant number of people who hate sitting behind a computer and writing up a report. I see. Okay. So when you're in those situations, and as we know, and I'm sure COVID has proven everyone, the more you rely on technology, the more you see its fault, mm-hmm. your fault and the flaws, and the more you encounter them. So honestly, in that way, it's dealing with people who don't want to be doing a certain task and it's not going work going right. So it's even worse. And then basically just like everything else, meeting them where they are, just mm-hmm. trying to be as helpful as you can without like taking anyone's garbage. Yeah. So always uh, finding that balance. So we've, we've had that theme a couple times now. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like so much of life is just dealing with people, mm-hmm. handling people and learning how to give grace when obviously it's not needed. I mean, that's what grace is, giving it when it's not needed. The best part then is sometimes when people are asking for something and especially for a task that like really needs to get done and they feel like they're behind and just being able to come beside someone and help them in that way. So for me, I still get to help a whole bunch of the people that I used to work on the floor and being able to uh, keep those relationships going. And then also in some ways, because I know what the issues they are running into, almost meet them before they have to come to me with the problem. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where it feels really good. Cause I, I made the comment a little bit ago about how, the less that they know me, actually, the better I'm doing my job in right. situation, or at least that's the way it seems. So to me, it's like if I'm ahead of it and people aren't asking me to do X, Y, and Z, that's where I feel like I'm fulfilling my role and my purpose. And I just feel most rewarded in the work situation in that way. Yeah, that's so awesome. And again, I love that it is those building blocks. You know, it's because you had the past roles that you have. It's because you've done that work that you're now able to look at the process, look and provide support and aid. And like you said, be proactive um, in what they might need. So I think that's really a cool journey um, to your career path. And so, Garrett, as we're kind of closing out here, what guidance or advice would you give to someone who you know has listened to this podcast who said, I didn't know anything about human services before, but this sounds interesting? What advice or guidance would you give someone interested in doing what you do? I've been thinking about this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think is really difficult is like, almost unfortunately, a lot of people I go to small liberal arts colleges like Muhlenberg, they aren't thinking of, hey, let's get into the human services. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some ways, I think then we're missing out on so many very capable, very caring, very intentional, like people with awesome intentions in government work, helping people that need the most help. Um, And realistically, like, I mean, we just passed up on elections and we hear all of this stuff about how does government work? Is it working right? I was also a poli-sci major at Muhlenberg. So Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more on my mind than probably a lot of people. So the interest doesn't die. Yep. Lifelong learner. And there's always questions of, well, this is what we think government should be doing. And there's all sorts of different ways you can look at that. Like, 
Um, you can say we should be doing more, or some people are saying we should be doing less. Maybe the middle ground, truthfully, is how can we be doing what we're doing more efficiently? How can we actually make it work for the people? The reality is people in human services are worn out. There's just a lot that they have to deal with. And it can be extremely rewarding work. And um, now I understand like a great friend of mine, a, a teammate of mine, and I, I think about this as well, Willow Say, he was actually, I think, just had a, an article written about him in the, I don't know, the Muhlenberg Magazine. I'm mm -hmm. not sure exactly what the title of that is, but like, he was a psychology major, and obviously he's gone a whole lot further than that from wherever he was at Muhlenberg. Yeah, he's definitely helping people. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't may, maybe minimize that. There are plenty of people from Muhlenberg who do go into dealing with people and trying to help them where they're at their, at their biggest need. Um, but definitely, but, I think sometimes it's even just creating awareness through conversations even like the one we're having that this is an option because sometimes students just don't know yeah and and truthfully like i also completely understand because i still have student loans like mm -hmm. it's not attractive work after you've gone to a school like new Orleans. um even though you're getting a, a great education and it's worth the value that you're paying for it like there are some dollar and cents type of decisions you need to make when you graduate from college um, and unfortunately, things like human services can get put by the wayside because you need to be able to take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. Sure. Uh, and which is, so, like you said, very true, very real um, uh, consideration. Right. Um, so if you wouldn't mind helping me circle back to the question, because I, I want to make sure I'm getting to everything. You know, for sure. And it really was just if somebody is hearing this conversation, is thinking, I did not know about human services, but now I have an interest in getting involved. What advice would you give them? I mean, I, I think realistically, a lot of us, and myself included at times, think like someone should be helping them. At some point, we have to decide it's not someone needs to be and you need to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And human services is a great way to, to do that. Believe me, there are all sorts of different ways where you can do that as well. And I think it's just incredibly important, not only with your professional life, but also your personal life to be involved in your community. Definitely. And to give back because none of us, none of us got to where we are on our own. I know that is like part of the American dream is pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But even those, even the greatest stories of those, there was someone in their life where they stepped in it did some sort of help, gave some sort of support, and now they are where they are. So human services, like, you can use a whole lot of the liberal arts type of thought processes that you would learn in a, at a school like Muhlenberg and use them on a daily basis. Not necessarily the same ones, but today you're going to do one thing, tomorrow you might do something completely different, the next day you're going to do something completely different. So in that way, there can be a lot of variety in what you do because you just never know who you're going to deal with. You never know what issue you're going to run into. And yeah, I, I just think that kind of stuff is, is really valuable and, and needed.
This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded remotely and engineered in the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.